to the Liberty Section Podcast. Today's episode was a doozy. Gigi and I had on Monica Perez and Brad Binkley from the Propaganda Report Podcast, and it was an awesome conversation. I hope you'll enjoy. Um, We use some new technology on our end, so at times it might sound like there's a delay or we're talking over each other. And there was a weird break about an hour in, so ignore the transition Um, My phone vibrated. (laughs) Other than those things, it was a great episode, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Liberty Section Podcast. This is episode three. Um, It's April 10th, 2020. It's Good Friday. Uh, I'm J-Mo, your co-host. I have GG on the line, and today we're uh, pleased to be joined by our guests, Monica Perez and Brad Binkley of the Propaganda Report. Um, in the in a world where you don't know for what episode of Black Mirror you're waking up to, <laughs> exactly. uh, I wanted I wanted to have these guys on because they they're uh, really talking about the coronavirus and COVID and all the reactions to it in a in a rational sense. I think. Um, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we'll get into a couple of questions and some ongoing topics that they've talked about on their show. I'm Monica Perez. Binkley and I, until recently, had a terrestrial radio show in Atlanta, and I believe that the Monica Perez show died of COVID-19. That's yet to be determined, but now we've always done a podcast, or for years we've had a podcast called The Propaganda Report. We started that in 2016, but since last year, we do a daily show under the banner of Propaganda Report called The Drive Time News Blast. So... For 30 minutes a day, 45 for subscribers, we bring the news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. And I think it's a much needed voice of sanity or a little company. Just I feel like at this time uh, where people are just really freaking out, it's, I think it's an essential service, even though it is mostly about this ridiculous thing. But I would say from a different perspective, Binkley. Yeah, I, I confirm everything you just said there from a different different perspective. And I personally like to analyze the – I like the tactical propaganda stuff and the big picture stuff as well. Um, but, but I like seeing the little tricks they, they get to do, I like talking about that and dissecting that a little bit, deconstructing it. Yes, the yeah. mind games at play. Right. Those are our deeper dives. We do – like occasionally we'll do a 90-minute deep dive where Binkley will unearth some shockingly – dystopian podcast from like the CIA or the army (laughs) war college where, you know, they're just like, well, if enough people die, we could probably get this policy changed. You're just like, what, what did he just say? (laughs) So those are pretty fun, but they take a lot of work. But the other one we do every day uh, is a little more like kind of headline oriented, but the deep dives are really great too. 
Yeah, I don't know if I could put myself through listening to the CIA talk for an hour. Oh, no, that's <laughs> Binkley alone can do that. They make it opinion. super boring, super long, and the audio and video quality, horrible. So there's, like, nothing appealing. So they, they try to lull you to sleep and just make people not watch you. You have to, like, bear down to hang in there. But then you'll, you'll hear, like, a gem in the middle of it, like Monica said, that makes it worth it. Man, well, maybe if we gave them some more money, their production quality would go up. <laughs> well, they sound like all the Fox and CNN people now who are all broadcasting from home, whose microphones are bad, who are don't know how to connect anything, don't know how to light their room. They all look like they're all trying to be YouTubers now, and they're not that good at it yet. <laughs> the, the equalizer in the information yeah. warfare, I think, yeah. is it, it, they're, they're playing on our fields now. So that's it's good. super annoying to me, though, because just as as you, JMO, heard in our disappearing pi, uh, Patreon patron party, uh, every time I get good at something or have some kind of advantage, <laughs> the the you know the the skinny chick takes it away from me so i feel like we've just gotten good at you know really mastered the art of competing with the news with the regular mainstream media in the podcast sphere and and they're trying to crack the code by copying us all you know copying all of us yeah they're they're now learning from us um well it's only our third episode uh but we've been sort of talking about a lot of these ideas for a, a while um, and trying to trying to find ways to get involved in the, the liberty movement, whether it's in the local libertarian party or um, just having conversations with people really around here. It's a lot of, I mean, I'm in, in North Carolina and the city I'm in is dominated by, um, it's a blue, it's a blue city for sure. So even getting through I mean, the left-right paradigm, of course, we know is kind of a joke, but the two-party system has has its effect on people. So I've been we have to get through. Recently, I've been getting. I I, I think I explained this on a show recently that I've been getting. I, I unset like any filters that I had on my Twitter feed. So I just, and I forgot that I did it. So I was getting all of these, getting sucked into all of these like group tweets. And I would, I mean, it would just like, I, I, it was all I could do to not start like tweeting back. Like, are you people actually still arguing about Democrat? versus Republican. Like, it's like a joke. Yeah. You can't, does, and can you please tell me if Repub anybody in any party is pointing out that this is a social experiment? Hey, maybe right. it's time to flip all the Bernie bros since he mm, recently I, dropped well, out. They do. I mean, a lot of them are, you know, kind of borderline woke, but nobody, I, I don't even think Bernie's anything other than just playing a role. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, a lot of my theater friends are Bernie bros, and they are. Borderline woke is a good way to put it, Monica. They are. They don't really believe the media, but they do believe everything Bernie says, and they, many of them do believe everything that's said about Trump in the media. And that really, that one tweaks me the most because – I get flack from people who love Trump and people who hate Trump both like they both think I'm the other. They think I'm a lover or a hater, which I am neither. But I just right. I just look at Trump and I think if you think that this guy 
came out of nowhere. This guy who every penny he ever made, every association he ever had of importance was either high, extremely establishment or mostly just the government. I mean, his father made money with contracts from the government. His casinos were government licenses. He was bailed out by Soros and Rothschild. I mean, this guy was created on The Apprentice by Zucker. The, the guy the guy who got him elected through telling people watching CNN that he was he was Liberalsworth's nightmare, which is what Republicans still love the most about him. And anybody who thinks that that guy rose to power in the, with the same kind of tooth and nail attitude that Ron Paul was continually just like, you know, his fingers were stepped on every time he got one over the ledge. And and that they think that this guy or even with Obama, when people thought that he was calling the shots, I'm like, you think that Warren Buffett put that guy in the highest position in the land and he's sitting there watching television, hoping that Obama does the right thing. Like, there's just no chance of any of that. No, wow. it's they're, it, they're actors on the stage. And it's uh, it's funny, like I try to tell people that Trump it, it, He's just a reality show host still. He just yeah. has a bigger show now. And they gave him uh, the role of being the businessman, boss, billionaire guy. They 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 gave him the persona he used, he uses now. Like that was something cultivated. And it's so it's funny because Zelensky, nobody talks about the the head of Ukraine, the president of Ukraine was very similar. Yeah, yeah he was a TV, he was a comedian who rose to fame on a TV show as a regular guy or a school teacher who became uh, president on some fluke write-in thing. And that, and this guy is like the comedian who got to become president some fluky way. But meanwhile, the guy who ran that TV station, Kolomoisky, is the ultimate owner of Burisma. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like so crazy that people don't realize. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just take it and say, there you go. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to pull pull at a certain thread and find the stuff either, which is kind of a frustrating. And they don't, and people won't see it. Like once you start like that, they'll see it and then they'll like forget it. And then you have to tell them again and then they'll forget it. And you tell them again and you're like, it's. That's why the repetition is used. It's cognitive dissonance. But it's the, it's real. It's like the logic proof. Logic proof compartments in, in our brains that. We separate information out and we put, you know, the most relevant information in, you know, the most prominent compartments. This is an Edward Bernays thing. And the other stuff is just goes to these other compartments and they, they keep separated from each other and they don't affect each other. And when they hear this information, they don't lend anything to it. So while we see it as something as, wow, this is really invalidating who this person says they are, they see it as, oh, it's nothing. I'm sure there's a justification for it. I trust them. Or is it, or it's just like, you know, it's like when you, Bigley isn't as far down the rabbit hole as I am. I don't think you are about stuff like false flag operations and crisis actors and stuff. And you'll see, which I think was in its like a super deep setup anyway, Robbie Parker. I don't want to say the SH word <laughs> for fear you'll get taken down before you even start. But there is a dad who supposedly grieves. And, and, you know, everyone grieves differently. This father lost his daughter that day, but was just yucking it up with reporters before they said roll them. And I just find that preposterous. But you will tell people. Oh, yeah, I have seen that clip. Yeah, I have seen that You'll tell people like this. Look at that person. They're laughing. They, you know, it's like, you know, people grieve in different ways. Like, no, uh -uh. (laughs) that's not plausible. 
yeah, it, it blows my mind sometimes. But um, and I don't think I'm a little bit in the rabbit hole myself sometimes. But I, I, some of those things, it's like you'll never know the truth about everything, and and uh, sometimes they put that stuff out to just get people who can see it. Yeah, they get them. Got, oh yeah, they don't in trouble. Right? They don't have to have that stuff out there. They get there, and I actually got taken down for for pointing out like how ridiculous one of the things they had floated was. It wasn't even. I wasn't even saying that that anything was a hoax or whatever. I was saying like, what the hell is this BS? You know, like they're obviously trying to trap us, and I actually fell into the trap. But Monica, that's okay. what was but, that yeah. one? I can't remember his name, but it was that shooting that was live streamed where the former employee shot the journalist who was live on air the blonde headed girl oh and gosh. yeah that was yeah, the one in virginia and then her boyfriend who was also a, a broadcaster he goes on this publicity and tour and then runs for office right after and the father th- that was one of the most <laughs> bizarre reactions and the ever. father the father was an actor with credentials i mean they didn't even yeah. You know what I mean? He was clearly acting and they're just like, well, he's an actor. It's like, yes, but the story is obviously not real. But for me, I always said like, hey, you don't want to go down the rabbit hole. You don't want to believe these stories. That's fine. It's completely fine with me. But the reason they're pumping these stories out is so that you will give up on your fundamental rights. If you're willing to actually fight to the death in the face of terrorism and mass shootings and the drug war and a pandemic for your rights, then absolutely don't be down the rabbit hole. I'm just trying to do you a favor to point out that the stuff you're afraid of is mostly fabricated or, you know, exaggerated or whatever, so that you will buy into policies like we're experiencing right now. And I can tell you, people are doing this because they're afraid because they're being told a story that makes them afraid. It could be true. It could not be true. But they're only doing it because they are hearing words that make them scared. Absolutely. Yeah, it's emotional based, fear based trauma. uh, That's just I, I don't know. Even you know, even some of the conspiracies out there. I think. But just Absolutely. to be clear, the, the stories part, are real. Part of the like conspiracy the, the things are taking place, but you're just saying they're sensationalized, and it's not really relevant on a larger scale. I'm saying that you know people get sick all the time. There are new viruses and colds and stuff there's a new flu every single year which is why the old flu which is used for the new vaccine is claimed they say it doesn't work for that reason i think that people get sick i don't know how sick people are getting from this thing i know i mean are you familiar with event 201 i know okay event 201 was in october Last year, the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates and Johns Hopkins got together and they they conducted a simulation of a novel coronavirus. And they said this is a this we're simulating a pandemic unlike anything we've ever seen before. It went from bats to pigs to farmers and through international travel and the fact that most people exhibit no or only mild flu-like symptoms, it spread around the world before people even realized how bad it was. The result was economic devastation and societal impact to last a decade, a decade or longer with GDP falling 10, 11 percent. 
stock markets falling 20 to 40 percent. So this was in October, a month before that exact thing began to emerge in China. So either they saw it coming or uh, or they were waiting for any opportunity to to implement their recommendations. Then they came up with seven calls to action about widespread policy recommendations, including massive financial flows and the lifting liability and regulation on population level vaccinations and other medical interventions of getting the private sector to lobby governments for more intervention. It talked about suppressing the Internet because of misinformation. It talked about conspiracy theories emerging from that big pharma or governments uh, promoted this so that they could force vaccines on people. I mean, the thing was eerily similar to what's actually happening. So I don't know what's really actually happening, but I'm, I myself am totally confident that what they're rolling out, the government policy is a preset agenda that was actually delineated a month before anyone even heard of this thing. Yeah, it's like they have it in place. And that's full. It's that's like they have evidence. those those things in place. Yeah. This is what we want to do. There's a couple of ways to do it. We can force it on people and they can push back or we can create conditions that causes the public to beg for us to implement these things we already intended to implement anyway. That's Edward Bernays engineering of consent model. The, right. the second one, right. and that's what I see going on right now. But if you, yeah, that's if, the Hegelian dialectic. If you sure. want the evidence of Event Two Hundred One, their website is still up. They have five hours of fake news broadcasts, yeah, which look really like does. they come out of today's news. It's just amazing, and the same people who ran it, who ran the simulation, which included the World Health Organization, the CDC of of the U.S. and of China, the very people who were sitting at those ta- at the table of that event two hundred one have been all over the news responding to COVID nineteen without ever mentioning that they had modeled this thing to to the for in an eighteen month time span. They should have at least shared what they learned from modeling this. Instead, they don't even mention it. I mean, it's it's like the exact opposite is what they did for the first couple months. The CDC was telling people not to wear masks and the World Health Organization was telling people that there was no evidence that it was trans transmittable human to human. And it's like, okay, if you had just studied this a few months ago, a novel coronavirus that right. was go- spreading from right, human to exactly. human, why would you even... Why would you give people the false confidence if not to want to create that uncertainty that would cause that would give rise to the uh, the conspiracy theories? Coming and up? and, and they're like, about to do it again. Creating. They're about to do it again for round two. They're about to By, like say, oh, we should go back to work. Oh, conservatives are getting mad that you're taking their freedoms away. And then the the compromise position, the capitulation will Result in, uh, you know, it'll backfire, it'll surge. And Event 201 actually says we thought we had the virus under control. And then about six months in, it just exploded. And that would be May. Which is scary because just this week, they're just this week, they're, they're coming out and, and people are, they're lowering the expectations of uh, the impact, I guess, on deaths, at least in America. And 
you can see it's a perfect setup. But at the same uh, time, they're starting to cancel yeah. events. Everything's a contradictory message that they're sending. On one hand, oh, we're hopeful, yeah. but on the other hand, you still have to stay home for a long time because of impending doom. Look what happened in all these other countries, Hong Kong, China. They shut it down. They opened back up too early, and now they're seeing cases on the rise again. Yeah, I mean, there's contradictions everywhere, and you'd have to be blind not to see, okay, you're going to arrest people and put them in jail after you just release people for calling the jail a cesspool of, of COVID-19. Yes. You're going to arrest them for being on the street. Yeah, we need to let this sex yeah. offender out no so sense. we can put this person who is standing five feet away from a friend of theirs in jail. Or, or even beyond that, like we have all of these people in a Petri dish on a cruise ship in a jail who've all been exposed to each other. And we think the best thing to do is to disperse those people to right. a bunch of different ground zeros you know like every so say yeah it's really wild you let 400 people out there they these are people who perforce do not have their own apartments because they live in a jail so they are going to their family home that's what they're doing or their girlfriend or whatever they're going to live with someone who can give them a room so every one of those people is giving whatever they were exposed to to the next lot so they're doing stuff to make it worse they're not really supporting their policies with stats and science. They're not showing us how they're weighing the costs of these draconian, like nuclear policies right out of the gate. They're not, they're not explaining that stuff. And it all seems to be on the path to backfiring. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, well, it seems like there's a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence coming out where it, this isn't like real, data and i've heard you talk about on the show it's like let's just show us the data it should be open source the the models that you're using to to say well we got to close until may or june or now even september or whatever like there has to be some way for the the people to know other than just stories yeah and i'm not um, even wild about their projections they're giving us models but the models are forward-looking i want to see the trend, the path, the past, the vectors and compare previous years, because let's like define a pandemic and then say, you know, we accept 35,000 highway deaths a year just because just because that's better for commerce. This is like fewer deaths than that. And and commerce isn't only facilitated you know, by keeping it open, it's 100 percent of it. Like banning cars wouldn't have been anything compared to banning everything. I mean, yeah, they've effectively taken a lot of people off the roads, taken a lot of people out of the cities. and um, I don't think yeah, they know. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, Honestly, I, I think see... we give them more credit about their actual intelligence, and I think it's not as proactive as we want to believe. They don't know. Like, telling people to stay in a house is something you do when you don't know really what's going to happen. But I feel like if they gave the information such as I want cold flu and pneumonia incidents and death month by month, country by country, state by state for the past 48 months, say. And I think they have that information. I've seen it. I saw it week by week for all the 28 countries in Europe. And there would be plenty of people who are capable of crunching those numbers and just saying and some people are coming out now and saying like the stats just aren't there. And that would at least allow an I kind of open source wisdom to emerge, but they're not doing that. So I don't even need them to be competent, but to be incompetent 
and secretive yeah, makes me yeah, suspicious. I totally agree. I think that's what it is. It's that they're actually incompetent and secretive. They don't know. Even even the doctors, a lot of the yeah. doctors, they don't even know how to treat COVID-19. Supposedly, the ventilators aren't even the way to go in treating the AAR, ARDS or whatever. The Binkley. You got to tell I was them. telling people about <laughs> problems Binkley with ventilators long before anybody talked about it, like before Trump or any of them. My mom was on a ventilator for a long, long time. She was intubated. And those things are very risky and they're very dangerous. They are a yeah, last ditch thing that they doctors do not want to put people on those because oftentimes especially if they're over 65 it does not end well they do not come off of them my mom did but she's a she's a rare case and she had a good support network there helping her psychologically but with these people and it's coming out now we've had some doctors come out and say that they're rushing to put these people on intubators too soon that they might be taking the wrong measures they might be doing it wrong might not even have people who are trained in putting people on intubators on them it was the default option when it should have been the last option and on top of that, they're isolating these people, taking away their support networks. They're, they're putting them by themselves in a very risky situation when they need people with them to help them the most. Yeah, and that's where Zoom isn't going to cut it. Like, and, you know, there is something about humanity that we need to be physically around people. And like the highest form of punishment is solitary confinement. Uh, you know, it's especially in a scary situation and can't breathe on your own. Um, it's it's really wild. It's, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Why is it that these are the things that they're doing? I mean, it's so extreme. It's so you couldn't. I mean, this you can think that the many, many politicians are incompetent, but there is that that bureaucracy, that scientific bureaucracy. The CDC gets six billion dollars. They should I mean, surely they know, you know, they're very arrogant. I remember I, I was marching against Obamacare in D.C. And uh, I mean, everybody was like with American flag fanny packs and stuff. It was pretty funny. And uh, I, I wasn't. But that was the crowd. I, I, everyone was Tea Party and I was just a libertarian. And I was on the subway with like there were a bunch of lawyers people who worked in D.C. and they were just, you could just tell, like, their their, their hairs were just standing on end being in a, in, a, in a train with all these people. And I just, I you know, these people are, are smart and arrogant and they have all their research and I don't respect them for the most part. I don't think that they, I think they are, uh, want to be our leaders because they think that we can't, you know, they have no respect for us, but they they can evaluate things like that. I mean, Fauci, his wife is the head of the National Institute for Health's bioethics, bioethics division. These are the kind of things they're supposed to really care about. They're supposed to be better at it than us guys sitting here dishing about it. Yeah, that's the, the, the I find that usually the ostensible uh, title is not really. What's yeah, the going opposite. On. I call it the contrary um, law of democracy. You get the opposite of what you're what you supposedly are looking for because if you if the other side like if hillary people keep saying to me like oh would you rather if hillary ran i'm like absolutely because there'd be four million people with long guns on the mall in dc the second they passed unprecedented legislation without the first amendment i mean that's just that's yeah, what would have right, happened right. so you're only ever going to get what you what you want the least from your own 
from your own side. Yeah, if you're going to suspend the the right to assemble, the right to petition, you should suspend the, the right uh, to speak. You you yeah. should suspend the, these a hundred people in in D.C. that get to make rules and print money and do. And it wasn't they, even going to be that many people behind closed doors. Half the people weren't even there until Thomas Massey made them show up. But that's how bad it was going to yeah. be. That no, they were just going to do it in the dark of night, like they did the Fed on Christmas Eve. And he got a he got a talking to from the president. It seems like. well. That's the other thing. People who and, like uh, Trump, probably some other. Yeah, threats. I'm thinking the people who go bananas for Trump. They just love Trump, and uh, and they don't see that Trump is the one who's trying to get rid of the last kind of libertarian standing there. They got rid of Justin Amash somehow. Rand Paul's always been kind of borderline compared to his father, anyway. And Thomas Massey, I, you know, he's not perfect, but he's. I think he's he's standing up for what he believes in and he's more libertarian than the rest of them. And he's the one that Trump's like, get him, get him out. And that's because you know? he wouldn't support the, the overhaul. Yeah. He's the last holdout. He went, he wouldn't, the first, no, it wasn't even that. He was insisting that they have a vote on it. They were just going to wave it through without a recorded vote. And, and he said there needs to be the Constitution requires a quorum. And if anybody asks for the vote to be written down, you have to do it. So he when he said that, like earlier in the week, just in case a bunch of congressmen flew in. So there was a quorum, supposedly more than half the people were there, I guess it is. And they still would not record the vote because they didn't want them. I think Pelosi actually said it. She did not want them to have to answer for it come Election Day. Because it's there's going to be risk of that it's going to backfire, right? Well, if they anybody understands the economy at all, they know it's not good. It was not good legislation. I mean, and and they're still going to do another one. Sounds like, but um, it, yeah, they didn't want to um, put. They didn't want to attach their name to it. And to me, that's like, well, then don't you shouldn't be able to vote on it. That's your that's their job. And that's what that's what Thomas Massey was saying is I was just trying to get them to, to do their job. And they did a voice vote instead. And they had a four hour debate on it, but wouldn't even let the guy talk uh, for a minute. So I'm glad his voice kind of got out there uh, a I, little bit. I hope I it benefits know. him. But he said it, he said he was I, yeah, he was going to get reelected. No problem. This could not have benefited him because he was a shoe in. Yeah, hopefully he still is a shoe in but he said 96% of the people in his county voted for Trump. So when Trump said, don't vote for Massey, he said that really hurt him. By, uh, yeah, and even if he time. just keeps keeps being a voice of reason, it would be nice to have him inside, but it doesn't look like they really listen to him anyway. It's good to have these guys identify for people. I mean, nobody is left kind of... You look at Trump, like yeah. nobody's left to actually champion the Constitution and the Constitution. You know, I'm not a fool. I know that it wasn't good enough, but it it is a rallying cry for some of the, you know, to restrain some of the excesses. This is crazy what's happening right here. It's all against the Constitution. If anyone would stand up and for people the Constitution, are, yeah, people are begging for the Constitution to be suspended. People yeah, like I mean, Massey, it's last. amazing how quickly when he said something, when he'd said that a few weeks ago, Instantly, he was the top trend on social media, on Twitter, and everybody is just bashing him, calling him a murderer and a terrible person. It's unbelievable how quickly 
the slandering and the shaming on social media can, can pick up when someone does stand up for the Constitution. Well, you get between yeah. the people in their twelve hundred dollars. I know, and uh, that's such a tiny fraction. He pointed out, it's like, yeah. it's like it'll. That's all yeah. he was trying to do is say, like, I, I, I want you guys to not fall for the trap, and the twelve hundred dollars is a, a nothing compared to what everyone people, else is going to get. Or, I think you know, people are definitely scared, though, as well. Like, interests are going to get shitless about COVID nineteen and diseases and vaccines, and then you have all the superstitions and stuff behind it on the other side. So it really brings it to a boiling point. I thought it would be guns that would do it, but it's definitely going to be more along the lines of whether you're going to get vaccinated with live DNA or non-live DNA, how it's going to affect you medically and your genetic makeup and how we're going to, how would you separate the people who do get vaccinated and the ones that don't and what risks they they pose to all of the public as a whole. And I think that's another thing that's in the making. I'm not sure about the details, but kind of using a little clairvoyance here to kind of just, you know, that's going to be the, the where I feel a lot of people are going to draw the line, especially with the religious right. Yeah, that I, I do think you have a point in that, like when the people you'll have so many more people on the side of big power, big government when you tell them when you when you kind of paint a picture where this is unprecedented in human history, which I would say it is not, that it's something that was never anticipated by the founders or the lawmakers. It could not be reflected in the fundamental legal principles that have emerged over over these millennia of civilization, that it's that it's nobody did it on purpose. They keep saying it's no fault of their own, no fault of their own. You have to have a safety net because this is no fault of their own. But of course, the the safety net, which is no fault of their own, is regardless of whether people are scared of COVID-19 or dying of it or any of that, the actual safety net is needed, not because people aren't going to work because of COVID-19, but because they're being um, denied the right to engage in commerce because and the government's using COVID-19 as an excuse. And I would say they're not justifying it, but they're but the way they're they're using this unique like that. It's a like an act of God kind of thing. It, it'll it make people lose sense of their of their principles of what side they're on. And then you don't have the same kind of 50 50 gun rights, gun control thing or abortion rights, abortion, uh, pro-choice, whatever you've got every single person. You know, you're a real outlier right. if you're going to toe the line over this one. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this um, really good meme. That was like a Venn diagram with three circles. I don't know you guys might have seen this, but it's the three things are people taking COVID-19 seriously, people worried about the expansion of the authoritarian government policies, and then people very concerned about the impending economic devastation. And then there's just a me right in the middle of all of them. And I think it's like, it, you know, people fall on any side, but you there are things that you can't say about this virus. Uh, and then there are things that you can't say like, well, maybe these companies uh, for the last 20 years, for the last 12 years at least have been propped up by a, an economic system that doesn't favor the people anyways. 
nobody wants to hear that and want to say, oh no, but you couldn't control this disease. Like it was the the disease is why the the airlines are, are failing and blah blah blah. But it's like no, it's because they shut down the, they shut down. And travel. if you That's... look at how the how the fiscal and monetary response has been, that just looks like a bailout. It doesn't look like anything else. I mean, it's it's almost all bailout. I mean, even it's even beyond the the economic. Yeah, I was going to see the Yeah, and it's and it's beyond the economic crisis these guys just triggered. I mean, it's it's in the many 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 trillions of dollars. I mean, it's it just doesn't make sense. The reaction just does not make sense in a vacuum. You have to look at it as there was a corporate debt bubble that was unsustainable. It was based on ultra low interest rates for so long. And there would have been another collapse, maybe worse than the 2008 thing. And they just they just weren't going to have it. And they couldn't take responsibility for their 2008 can kicking. I think Europe is in bad position, too. Italy is in the worst state. And they happen to be the ones who are, you know, with their numbers are also considered quite sketchy. But they'll probably I bet our Fed bails them out. Yeah, well, yeah, the world, the world central banks will come in for sure. I mean, they already have. They're buying up uh, pretty much any anything they can get their hands on. Bad loans. They're creating um, special purpose vehicles, just like they. I mean, that's what Enron was using <laughs> in the past, and and we saw how that worked. And now, now our Fed has a six hundred billion dollar special purpose vehicle for buying up like. Yeah, that they're not allowed to do. I mean, they're monetizing bad private debt. It's there's no end to the amount of money you can create when you're doing that. Yeah, well, bailout is is the name of the game. It always has been the name of the game uh, since since it started. I think my one of my suggestions for people as of late, because I get people who are completely uninterested in this stuff asking like, well, where does $2 trillion come from? And that's a good opportunity to say, well, read the creature from Jekyll <laughs> yeah. Island and uh, you'll, you'll feel like a, a more, you, you'll know the rules of the game and, and the, the refs and the teams there, they all play for each other. And it's, uh, it's pretty, that, that was a, a yeah, it's probably good, book, although, I mean, good time. Brzezinski, that, Mika probably. Brzezinski's father, in his book, Strate- Strategic Vision, I think it came out in 2012, it's called America and the Crisis of Global Power. He talks about America's strengths and their weaknesses, and he's talking about them in the context of will America collapse and will an emerging China potentially come become the new world leader, the new world power? And one of the things that he talks about that will facilitate a United States collapse is not getting the increasing debt under control. And we seem to be only adding to that even more so than we have in, in recent memory. That reminds me of, was it, I talked about this not too long ago, although not in this context, but was it MacArthur, General MacArthur who met, who was really old and JFK went to meet him at the Waldorf where he lived and he said, I think, and this was echoed by other like Eisenhower and stuff like that, that the true 
strength of the United States, the true like defensive position of the United States was its economy. And if you wanted to overthrow or have a communist revolution or whatever, if you wanted to conquer America, you had to undermine the economy. And I just see that's what they're doing. And um, I feel like they do it in lockstep with China. They There's all that evidence that China was, I mean, Nixon, a Republican, opened the door to China. And like I would argue that the difference between China and North Korea is not their ideology, but how we treated them. We let that happen and we're going to share it with them. And it, it folds right into Rockefeller saying that we want East and West to converge. And there's no way to do that without slowing down the West. Yeah, which is which is taking the the freedom and the freedom out of the free market and the um, free economy and people to sort of behave and produce. I mean, the economy is production and it's like uh the, they can print as much money as they want, but if if twenty million people are losing their jobs, then what? I don't. The economy is not getting better. And I know the stock market isn't the economy, but how is the stock market up this week off of three weeks in a row of? That's what I was saying. I was looking at it. I said to my husband, "I was like, look, I get it. Like they're putting tons and tons, trillions of dollars in there, so maybe these are like new dollars, which are equal to like." There's, you know, one third of an old dollar that like if we use new dollars, the market would have peaked out not at 29, but at like 60,000. I don't know. But if the, if we're still like in the world of the same dollars we started with in January, the market's overvalued just based purely on like the value of the stocks. Like there's no way that that the companies that are in that aren't worth 20% less than, than they were a couple of months ago. Like, I just don't see how this devastation right. can't have that kind of an impact, especially when it's like earnings ratios and stuff. And think about our debt. Like nobody, I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but with the deficits that we're about to have coupled with the reduced GDP, you're talking about, I mean, just, Back of the envelope, the lowest I can imagine the debt to GDP for 2020 has got to be 150% or more, which is considered bankrupt, basically. Yeah, I mean, if if we operated, if, if an individual operated at 150% debt to income, you wouldn't be able to buy a car. Like you wouldn't, they, they wouldn't even let you rent yeah how are you like, getting out of that war and how are you getting out of that right especially if you're the oh, government you can't war, produce probably. anything you don't make anything all you do is take like yeah wars and and they, they oh, talk the, about the this yeah. war time and trump considers himself a i feel like they're using this so. like war yeah in iraq they're up in iraq, no iraq. what's going on uh, with that well, Why? I haven't been keeping up with it a hundred percent, but I know there's still ISIS factions and Al Qaeda factions and what's happening. I guess there's a take back of the oil fields, but oil is so low right now between what is it? Saudi Arabia and Russia, I guess it's like under 20 to almost under $20 a barrel. So I don't know if they're trying to resecure oil fields, but there's still like a lot of. Hmm. 
Yeah, they're they're still going, and I think I saw something like seventy percent of the countries worldwide have put down their arms if they were fighting, and uh, just not the United States. Wow! And we're trying to flip a regime in um, Venezuela. Oh yes, I know we're bringing them up on drug charges, but that's an interesting comment that most of the world, with their skirmishes or wars or disputes or whatever, have just laid down their arms and I guess crawled back into their holes like we have. But that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good thing. To find that stat that's, to look into it. Um, yeah, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. It was one of the anti-war. What was it? Was it Yemen? Yemen and um, Saudi Arabia that, that kind of put a put a halt on things yeah. just to fight COVID because uh, the Saudi royal family they have they have more COVID cases like concentrated within the royal family than like anyone else I believe in the Middle East like just the royal family. That, yeah, how many people are in the royal family? I saw that. Hmm. There's a lot. Because I think... A lot. But they travel. For certain yeah, areas. Um, like you, but you, you would know, think that, you know... They set up little city city states throughout the, uh, throughout the empire. But notwithstanding, they, there's a lot of cases within the royal family alone. There's a lot of cases in, in um, the... Iranian government too, which was kind of weird. Um, yeah, it's all. It's yeah, it's very, very, that, that one's fishy. What's happening with Iran this year is really. I'd always been. I'd always wondered how it was that we basically facilitated the overthrow of the Shah, and that the original Ayatollah from seventy eight, seventy nine, literally was educated in Paris, came from a commune in Paris. And like the Iran Contra thing was about selling arms through the back door to Iran, I believe, while we were supporting Iraq in the war against Iran. I mean, like the backstory with Iran and then the current guy, Rouhani, got his Ph.D. in Sharia, in compromising Sharia law, which is interesting, in like this the University of Glasgow in Scotland, which is like a very weird place to be taken that. And one of his professors or like the the. The PhD, like the the advisor, his advisors, his PhD advisors, PhD advisor was MI6, who oversaw the Lockerbie trials, like reported on the Lockerbie trial, which was a complete whatever, highly controversial, let's say. But Rouhani like has very weird connections to the West, in my opinion. And so I always thought I ran. You know, I wondered, like, they're, if they're so bad, like, what's with, how do you reconcile all that? And now I feel like they're just playing into their role, like, a little bit too much to the point where I'm now I'm really wondering if they, like, they got rid of Soleimani because he was, he was a real Iranian and they're just at this point sellouts. I don't know. But they just, they go along with these narratives, like that weird Ukraine jet that went down and then they had to, like, um, come out with a mea culpa and say we did it. I mean, everything, it just smacked of like real weirdness. So when they were on the front lines of the, of validating the worst COVID reports, I, I was a little skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I don't know some of those cases you were talking about, I'll have to look into them, but I do think that, uh, who the people who are getting it is like something to focus on. Like I know we were yes, talking about yes. actors earlier and then Tom yeah. Hanks comes out. I'm like, 
Okay, Tom Hanks might have this. Yeah, I don't buy it. He is a man who gets paid to (laughs) lie. I mean, he gets paid to pretend to be different people. I don't really buy it either, but... Yeah, um, he's America's sweetheart. He's the Jimmy Stewart of our era. And to make things real to the public, they enlist these celebrities that have this influence over people. This Edward Bernays loved doing this, and they've been doing this for hundreds of years when it comes to celebrities, but even in the crisis communication materials that are used by governments and corporations, they talk about finding celebrities celebrities and people of influence to carry your message forward. And the way that you get them to do it, they don't have to necessarily be in on something. They could be, but you go to them and you say, hey, Tom, look, we have a deadly disease that's going to ravage the planet. It's going to kill millions of people, and no one is taking it seriously. We need them to take it seriously if we're going to save these people. People, are you willing to step up and be a patriotic hero for your country? And yeah. And didn't you see he was Brad, in Philadelphia, which brought AIDS? attention to AIDS on a national stage because that Philadelphia was the right. And it made people relate to it like stuff like stuff that people feel only attacks a subset of the population, gays or IV drug use or like Black Lives Matters, as opposed to police brutality. Generally, it's you don't have universal concern. I think I think the powers that be do not want universal concern about the militarization of the police or the um, police brutality. So they intentionally promote the idea that it's it's just aimed at a subset that most people don't have a first order fear at, from. But the but the Philly, yeah, but, to, right. but the AIDS thing, they wanted everyone to be afraid of it. They wanted to promote kind of this um, the younger and younger sex ed at school in schools and just they, they just had an agenda. And that served it. So they needed to humanize it and they used him to do it. And I don't even think it's an, an accident that Hanks was in Australia when he said that because Australia was kind yeah. of lagging behind in the panic. Oh, that's interesting, too. And well, uh, also, the, the Fauci thing, doesn't Fauci have some sketchy history yes. AIDS as well? And here he is again. Like it, It's like the, the show is on repeat at this point. Yeah, who they they say are their heroes are almost always the sketchiest people, people who have a history of like Mueller was one of their heroes. They acted like Bill Barr was a great nominee. Comey, ridiculous. I mean, Binkley, we've followed that. Yeah, yeah Mueller. But Mueller was right there with like we got hired to the FBI like a week before the before 9/11. Yes, yes, or, yes. Not hired, but he, yes. he like took his position like a week before and the 9/11. His claim like, to fame was that he brought the made the FBI basically international, like this idea that we can enforce laws, our laws in other countries. I mean, it's just completely violates the law of nations, but all three of those guys, Comey, Mueller, and Barr, their their histories were so riddled with malfeasance in official capacities that each one of them was involved in a case directly because of their behavior that resulted in millions of dollars of restitution to the victims of government abuse. It was with Bill Barr, Ruby Ridge, with Comey, it was the Ramsey rapist, and with Mueller, it was a few things. I think one of them, even with Comey, one was an anthrax thing. I think, I mean, the Lockerbie one, I don't know if there was a judgment. I think there was, actually. I think Lockerbie was proven to be false, the guy who went to jail for Lockerbie. And then 
there was also a Whitey Bulger thing that it's a little bit in dispute that Mueller was involved in it, but I believe I did track it to where he was instrumental in putting putting some people in jail for, I don't know if it was a crime Bulger committed, but there was some stuff at that time that I believe they paid out for him. But for sure, framing somebody for the anthrax stuff was uh, was a payout that Mueller should be held responsible for. But these people had those histories while before they were they were trotted out onto the stage over the past few years. Like, that's what I think is crazy is like Fauci. It's right. like, yeah, Fauci's actually a piece of crap. Like, why are we acting like he's the greatest sexiest thing? bobblehead I mean, of a scientist man alive, in the world. Right, Brad? And they're making a bobblehead of him. You have also. to tell Fauci's them what you mean by bobblehead that. And yeah, People well, magazine he, has said he's being considered as the sexiest man alive. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, to each his own, you know, if you like that kind of thing, nothing wrong with that. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah, right, there you go. <laughs> right next to your coronavirus. Exactly. I want a coronavirus <laughs> um, beer huggy. It says stay six feet <laughs> like, away. On for it. my corona. Oh, for, yeah, for your corona. There you go. And I want a face mask with the with the pl- yeah, with people the, are having uh, nightmares about coronavirus, coronavirus stuff. People are going to start having nightmares that their plushy. their coronavirus face masks aren't fashionable enough because that'll be a market that emerges. <laughs> or that they're smothering them. Oh yeah, that's an emerging market for sure. I'm going to use that there, as a billboard for freedom. I there. Think. <laughs> anarchist quotes on my face on my government how much you want to bet there are people sleeping with face masks somebody's gonna die suffocate maybe more people will die of face masks suffocation (laughs) yeah but really the ventilator thing spouses the ventilator thing is actually i think extremely significant that they're they're actually endangering people by changing protocols for intubation and ventilator use yeah and that, I mean, that'll skew the numbers. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's just it's mind boggling that, that with all the talk of ventilators, we need more, we need more, we need more. I mean, if you, if you need more and you get more, you're probably going to use more. And they made it the default action. And Sanjay Gupta was finally asked something kind of about it. Anderson Cooper soft pedaled it, but he just kind of gave a nonchalant response. Yeah, 40 to 80% die. Then you come to find out that actually 80% in this case, in the context of New York in the past couple of months, have been dying that have been putting on these ventilators. Sanjay Gupta knows good and well the dangers that are associated with ventilators. If he's a doctor at all, then he knows those dangers, yet he never brought this up, not one time, until about four days ago. And, and that is negligence, and that, Sanjay that Gupta? was a event 201 guy, right? I mean, he, he might was, have been. He, he was, was right in the movie Contagion, which Contagion. Um, wasn't he? Uh, or there, no, were, yeah. there were a lot of people online of that. And the World Health Organization oh, recommended was, watching Contagion. Yeah, he was in Contagion. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Which is only to scare people because the. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is, of course. Well, that's what I think part of the event 201 thing is that if you direct people to it, they do like or, uh, Binkley. We've talked about this, and I've had other people tell me they've learned about it in their psych classes. That there's a phenomenon. There's actually a name for it where you can hear something and told when you hear it yeah. that it's false. Like this is fake. This is a movie. This is whatever. And somehow the way it gets stored in your mind, 
you can access that as real. You don't access it as this thing fake. Yeah. You just access, oh, this thing is in my brain. <laughs> and that's what the event 201 oh, yeah. is. Yeah, like, like fake but possible. It gets stored in your brain. Yeah, it gets you. Like, yeah, it gets right. you. It starts the conversation. The idea, yeah. which don't think yeah, about a pink yeah, elephant. Exactly. Don't think about a pink elephant. That's yeah. a book that was written by a, a ling- linguist who, and it talks about right. you can speak in the negative, but that's still reinforcing that node in your brain and making it stronger and stronger and stronger. So even if you repeat that negative enough times, it will become a concrete fact with those uh, those nodes in people's brains, and they will start to believe it. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, and then that kind of goes back to how these people can be reshaped in the public view. And we keep talking about, you keep bringing up Bernays, and um, I, I don't think people realize the yeah. impact that he's had on society. He's the reason why we eat bacon and mm-hmm. eggs for breakfast. But, and, and you guys have both said, I, I wrote this down from one of your shows. You, you said that you think that a lot of their control uh, over us or over the news that we get basically is is a psychological hold on our mind and that it, it's that's sort of the most important thing when they are rolling out their policies and and rolling out whatever covid is wherever coronavirus is i, I think um, so yeah and, and I, I mean yeah that's my think, think of all the effort they put into it think of everything to, you know about covid yeah, think about yeah. what you're doing sitting in your house or whatever every bit of that if you did not if you were not plugged into some kind of news media if you really were not plugged into it you would not know anything you wouldn't be afraid of anything there are no right. bodies in the street you're not sick you know you just it is 100 i'm not saying it's not people aren't sick i'm not saying that but i am saying that what is happening is a propaganda phenomenon and that is basically what's always happening that's why they put so much effort into it that's why it's it's like yeah, all it's they propaganda. do it, it, and i think i don't know if it was on your show but the yeah. you talked about edward bernays and that yeah. his nephew or or a great nephew founded netflix <laughs> and that's just mass population propaganda that's always being spewed and Absolutely. There's a connection there. Yeah, we sit around watching Netflix and they they got these shows, they got the structure of these shows now where they can they can hook you at the beginning. The middle can be just complete trash, but at the very end they leave a little hook and a tease and you're like, All right, well I better start the next episode now. And they take the first season, it happens like almost every time. They'll give you a first season that's good, high quality, whatever. And then a couple of seasons in, usually by the third season, (laughs) it's like axe to the head, brain spilling out. You know, if there's incest, rape, you know what I mean? Like just all that stuff. And it, it, you've already gotten sucked in and it takes you a season or two to be like, what? I, I can't watch this. You know, I can't watch this anymore. And Netflix, of all things, like it kept seeming to have like the stupidest business model. Like you're like, that thing's going to fail. That thing's going to fail. I thought that anyway. And yet yeah. it's like top of the charts now. And I, I, I mean, that kind of thing makes no sense to me. And you see like Amazon never made a profit. I mean, and now... Look, for some reason, the whole world has pivoted to Amazon to the point where one state, at least, was considering not allowing retail oh, they're doing that to sell non-essential now. items because it yeah. was too much of a temptation. Yeah. Uh, and they said I mean, they've already they said that. they're not even they're not selling seeds in Vermont. Seeds are what what <laughs> seeds are essential. <laughs> yeah. 
these are literally so yeah and they actually say we want you to buy this stuff online and it's like and then you look at bezos and his like stepfather or grandfather or whatever who raised him was military intelligence if i'm not mistaken well, one more thing about Netflix guys has some kind of is, is you guys have heard. I'm sure you've heard of the Tiger King if you haven't watched it. It's, Everybody's it's heard of the Tiger club. King because that's all. It even came up in Trump's press conference the other day if he's considering a pardon for the Tiger King. Well, see that that yeah. became the number one show on Netflix. They have that little rating system on Netflix now. You can see every day that it's number one now. It's the biggest phenomenon sweeping the the coronavirus quarantine era and of course what's going to happen because that's where everybody's eyes and where everybody's attention not attention is and they want to make the coronavirus real so that it scares people of course the the star of that show is reported as being quarantined in prison worried he's going to die because he's potentially tested positive for coronavirus <laughs> and yeah and and a tiger got coronavirus <laughs> no. too so uh, that's just another <laughs> reinforcement of of the the uh, mind control now I don't know what the it is so yeah. <laughs> when I say mind control I get these weird stares from people but I really it is um you know the whole if the the holy trinity is your thoughts your your feelings and your actions or your behaviors then the control of your thoughts and manipulation of your feelings can change how you behave and if it and doesn't we're all they can tell you that. If you behave in a certain way, this this invisible, yes. not saying not non-existent, but an invisible killer is going to get you. And if even if you don't care about that, what about all the other people? You know, everybody else has a right to tell well, you about, about your behavior. Every single person walking down the street now has yeah, a vested interest. That's so powerful too. An invisible in killer behavior. that you show, you might show no symptoms of, and never know that you have or that you're spreading. That is a that's a fear that can be <laughs> crippling to people. Yeah, I mean, just think yeah. about that. Yeah, well, it's the perfect tool for total control. And I think that while maybe there's an infectious disease going around, I'm not saying there isn't. I think, I mean, I know some people who are who are pretty sick and tested positive and yeah. everything. And I think they're probably sick with something. Um, but you can't just completely change the world because of one little event i think someone said it's like it's like pissing your pants to stay warm or something like that but that's what we're that's what we're getting ourselves into i mean it's like we're really about to jolt into this virtual technocracy um mandatory vaccination world i mean are you guys going to take a vaccine that that the Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein came up with (laughs) i'm not saying i don't think they did come up with it but the cognitive dissonance of of forgetting that Bill Gates was on Jeffrey Epstein's plane and and that he was nurtured and yeah, now by the Planned Parenthood guy, his father's big Planned Parenthood guy. He said over and over again, his number one goal in life is to reduce the population. So he is just not the guy who I want dictating my medicine at all. But here's the thing like this. OK, so, you know, people who are sick, people are sick. That's why I want to see the historical death rates, because this is what human beings are. We are animals. We are, we get sick. We drive cars and when they crash, we die there. That's what we are. And this is really not different. It's not unexpected. And the only reason it's even as crazy as it is, is that 
because we have become so sanitized as an animal, an exotic species, that we don't even know how to comprehend a natural death rate, which is, right. I mean, civilization 10,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, they certainly, 100 years ago, they had, they had infant mortality. I've looked at my family tree. Somebody did a family tree. Like it's a book. You can just go back and look. And there are family, there were families I could find where the oldest child and the youngest child had the same exact name because the oldest was long dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, Whoa. yeah, people like the, the uh, amount of infant mortality was through the roof. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not diminishing people's um, fears or that people are sick, you know, that that matters. I'm just saying you don't have to right. lose your mind. You know, this is something human beings are set up for. To fear. Right. Right. People. And, you know, it, it's like you, you can't hide from God or you can't hide from nature. We're, no amount of money that we give to the CDC or to Bill Gates or no amount of um, vaccines that they give us. I think we lost him. Yeah. Oh, JMO, I can't hear you. Brad, can you hear him? You think we lost him? I there think were four things connected here. There appeared to only be three. And I think I came up with a pretty good uh, new uh, observation or insight about like how yeah. like, death rate, yeah. you know, life expectancy, infant mortality over the years. Yeah. I mean, and this is when law emerged, you know, the code of Hammurabi, that guy wasn't like, <laughs> we have a zero tolerance for death. Everyone needs to live till they're so 90. here's a headline <laughs> we were talking know, earlier about not. the contradictory messages we're getting on CNN right now. The first headline says coronavirus model now says today is the peak new is the peak for new U.S. deaths. So an optimistic type. Maybe this is coming to an end message. Then right below it, it says the projection assumes full social distancing measures stay in place through the end of May and constantly updates. Uh, and there'd be constant updates as real time data comes in. So once again, it's good. But, yeah, you're still going to continue doing this indefinitely, kind of. Well, and the idea that we've given up all of our power and they've done absolutely the most damage they could possibly do with the power, the most, like there was no mitigating anything. They have done absolutely nothing to mitigate the total destruction. I mean, short of actually killing us all to prevent anyone from dying of COVID-19, they have done everything they can and it will not work, right? Because they need to leg up. They need one more. Yeah. They need at least one I'm more wondering. phase of it. Okay, so here's the break where the software kind of failed on us. We had to start re-recording, but I'm going to use this break to let you know that this episode of the Liberty Section is brought to you by the Catawba Comfort Kitchen. If you find yourself in or around Catawba, North Carolina, check them out for soul food that will keep you calm during these times. They have... Really good fried chicken, really good chicken wings, good sides, anything else. Tell them the Liberty section sent you, and they're open for takeout and delivery soon. So that's my plug. Let's get back into it. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hey. Okay, you can hear me. Good. Yes, what happened? You don't, I don't know. I could hear you guys talking, but then I started to realize that when I was saying something, you, you couldn't hear me. Not hearing you. And then I tried again, and... I don't know. It, that was weird. 
All right. Well, I think it's worth. I mean, it sounds great now. I'm waiting for Binkley to return. Okay. Go. You could take the break to feed the doggos. I did. I did. You know, I've, had, I've heard on some other podcasts when they start getting a little deep, things get cut off. I didn't think that, <laughs> didn't think that was going to happen to me so quickly. But well, I def- if it's if it hasn't happened to me, and although I did get thrown off of my radio station, so yeah. I guess they felt that was enough for now. Yeah, they they really they definitely boosted you into the podcasting world. I know. I really wasn't. I mean, I I was doing the podcast, but not with I was starting to get a little crunched for time because the terrestrial show is is, was so demanding, even though it was just on the weekends. I had to keep up. It was a call in show. So I had to keep up with Fox and CNN and all the bullshit they were spewing. And then I had to come up with what I really thought was going on. So it was like triple the amount of work of podcasting because I can just talk about what I want and people will listen if they want to, but nobody's going to like call and try to embarrass me publicly. So yeah. I used to put a lot of time into it and now I don't have to, which is great. You don't have to build a case against the left and the right every week. Yeah. Although it was an opportunity to wake people up who really would never, ever hear that stuff elsewise. And it was also great because Atlanta has a really diverse demographic mm. and I had people from all over calling me and really blowing up all the stereotypes and the left, right thing, the black, white thing. And I mean, it was just every uh, there were immigrants. People would call just had a different point of view from what we are told. Everybody thinks, you know, I mean, I'd had numerous black people call and say, like, did you just say Trump was a racist? You don't you can't believe he's a racist. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. But like you would hear that on my show. Do you remember, Mm -hmm. Monica, when somebody left a comment accusing us of hiring black people to call into your show? Yes. The show (laughs) was about reparations and. I mean, it was like, I think it was a full three hour show and the lines were, were absolutely full the entire time. Every single caller was black and every single person was against the reparations to the point where we were accused of planting the calls. I didn't even want to talk about reparations. I had nothing to do with that. I never studied yeah, that. You, you didn't even have that topic. We threw like no. everything that you had planned for that show. We didn't get to any of it. None of it. Was it was just, just so, such torture. Yeah. I mean, that show is a ridiculous amount of work, but it was an opportunity. I mean, it's no, it's no skin off my back to not have to do that work, but it is, it's a great poverty to the Atlanta area. Yes. I, I think so. <laughs> but it's cool to, that you now, you have the opportunity to sort of get on the the libertarian anarchist podcast circuit because I've, I've heard you guys on well i've heard monica on a bunch of them um, yeah i was oh we were always we were when doing this the daily show since august because my show was kind of on sabbatical during the, the football season because they put football on during my my time mm-hmm. but um yeah, I think I don't know what it was, Binkley, but we've had some topics, people who listen every day. So our premise was like, you can listen to the radio every day and then you got to pull out all the propaganda and spin and everything and try to get through to the truth yourself. But you're busy, you're working. And we thought, well, well let's just do it. Let's just do what WSB does every afternoon. But we'll do it for people who don't want all that propaganda, who come home and have to, like, you know, defend themselves against their mother-in-law who watched Fox all day. Yeah. And and they would have and, and people like that. But 
we're ahead of stuff like the event 201 we started talking about that february 8th you you found it immediately binkley like you just found it right away so we were ahead of it that way but then um you know as we investigated and looked into it like it was so uncanny and i think that kind of stuff being ahead of things like predicting what's going to happen because you understand what it's all about get people love that then they want to hear you and then once they then they started uh, like every podcast i don't know why maybe because i'm easy (laughs) (laughs) well we i definitely appreciate you guys coming on um it's a pleasure we love it i love it i absolutely love talking to different people because anybody who has a podcast who wants to podcast they do it because they have ideas and they they have to believe through experience that their ideas are original and they have to be willing to have an a um civil conversation so for me i don't get calls anymore so i really just like the opportunity to chit chat with people i mean even a limited hangout somebody who's there to kind of shut me up or trap me or make me look foolish like i don't even care because i just uh yeah you're so good it's an it's an opportunity like even when i had trolls call on the wsb show it was fine because they they were never ready for <laughs> they were never ready for me because they usually thought i was just like some kind of trump supporter and they would be like well why do you complain when obama violated the constitution but not when trump does and i'm like i totally do like for example blah 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 blah, blah. and then people would just be like i i'll yeah your the surface level talking points don't go very far with yeah with with any like libertarian lowercase libertarian if you will yeah, you're not going to get if people aren't wedded. See, that's why people are like, why are libertarians truthy or whatever? And my answer is once you break the bonds of the two party psyop and you're allowed to criticize both sides with an open mind, then you, you see all the propaganda on both sides and you realize that you have to dig a little bit deeper for the facts to connect with what is actually happening. There's no evidence, anonymous sources. And once you start digging in because you don't trust Fox or CNN, then you're stuck with a like a buttload of truth. <laughs> yeah, that's how you unite the left and the right is you you bring a libertarian to the party and then left and right will get together on attacking them. That's yes, that's true. That's true. But but but. Ron Paul, who might have brought the left and the right together in a an anti-war free market middle as a compromise other than the liberal fascist center that we compromise at right now. We compromise, but we just compromise the warfare welfare super state is the compromise instead of the peaceful free state. But that guy got no press from CNN, whereas Trump got so much free press that he did not spend any money on his campaign. Yeah, I mean, he's still doing it. He's still doing it. Um, and that, I think, is his greatest feat, is that he manages to keep the world enthralled with his shenanigans while the globalists march forward. And at the same time, calling the, the people that give him all the press and attention the enemy of people. Uh, I will, oh, I, yeah. I will say he has brought light to some of the bad journalism and stuff and calling the the fake news media what it is, but it does work in his favor sometimes. And we'll see where that all shakes out. I mean, that might backfire in the end. And this 18 month, this event 201 thing suggested that the 
live simulated novel coronavirus would in reality be 18 months of pain. So mm-hmm. by the end of it, that there may be press regulations. Yeah, yeah. and them coming out with a initial two-week ban and a three-week ban and then a two-month, you can see them like building up over time towards 18 months. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, no, and Binkley has pointed out, right, why they have to do it forever. Why they have to do it for a long time. Yeah, it has to fundamentally change the psychology of the population. They have to create, they have to break them, break us from our old habits. And we have to, they, when we transition into starting get, getting into the new ones, that that's when they might start considering opening it back up when that way, when they do, we still do the same thing and everybody stays home. Nobody goes to nobody goes anywhere. Nobody touches each other and everybody wears masks without them having to force it. Right. Yeah, it's coming. I think uh, it's kind of that's kind of scary. I mean, what if we do say that the global one world, whatever order is coming and uh, the technocracy, what, what is a free thinking individual? What is a uh, an anarchist what are we supposed to do i mean we we don't want uh violent uprising i think despite the negative connotation that the the social engineers have put on the word anarchy uh we're pretty peaceful people i think you got to be more worried about the the like bernie bros and antifa or whatever but i think that's somewhat manufactured but if it's coming and we have no choice but to quote unquote voluntarily comply then where where do we go from here do we um well, who's the first state to secede like you know what i mean like i don't where, yeah what's the silver i mean the way i've been thinking about it i i i think my thinking is kind of undergoing a paradigm shift and i think one i was listening to a podcast pete quinones's Free Man Beyond the Wall, he interviewed a green anarchist, Bellamy Fitzpatrick. Now, those guys, obviously, just by the word green, you know they're coming at you from the left, which I have no tolerance for. But true anarchism, it doesn't matter. It's it's this uh, syndicalist anarchism that was like in Spain and stuff where they actually wanted the government to take control of all property, or they said there was no property ownership. That's a kind of anarchism that isn't real anarchism, in my opinion, because somebody is going to own that property. So I don't count that. That's like communism. But this guy seemed like he, you know, he understood that the government is not a friend of left or right. And his, his the way he's doing it is what he's recommending is very extremely practical in that he's got this permaculture thing going. He's got pecan trees and pear trees and whatever. He's in New York, upstate New York, and they're just trying to kind of live off the grid in nature. There's a big problem in that, like the globalist powers around the world are encroaching on nature, either like in your backyard or by polluting to the point where your soil doesn't work anymore. Your water is no good. So that is a big problem. But then I also think of Harry Brown who wrote how I found freedom in an unfree world. He's a great, you know, one of the greatest libertarians and, and in, you know, I, I just, I always had a problem with that book because his idea is like, the best way to be free is to not get arrested. So never engage in a protest that's illegal because you'll get arrested. And he would say stuff like that. And 
you know, don't let this torture you or you will not be free. You'll be like a victim of your own thoughts. And like that, that's all not cool. But I mean, that that to me is a little difficult because you are you kind of have to fight because they'll never stop encroaching. But some maybe combination of Bellamy Fitzpatrick and Harry Brown. I'm just like, you know what? Do what you can in your own life. I don't. I, and I think he is in favor of secession. I just I just don't think they're I don't think that's I don't think that t- traditional legal remedies are an option anymore. I just feel like with the lockstep that every po- political entity in the world basically almost has um, united behind not not fighting the coronavirus, but in a- adopting the exact same policies for no really good, you know, no thorough publicly available analysis so I feel like they're just, I mean, that they're so, we are so far beyond like what we think are our legal remedies and frameworks that we have to kind of do something really radical. It's the, um, the obedience signaling uh, coming from everybody like that. I've never, never seen health officials, health, county health officials have so much power. Uh, and then it goes up, steps up to the state level and then. You have a cluster of states cooperating and then and it goes down too. it goes down to your neighbor, people in your own house. And when you log on to Netflix, there's just a a bunch of little videos, PSAs. When you go into YouTube, there's PSA, stay inside, stay. It's like they live the movie everywhere you turn and look, you're getting the same message repeated over and over again about submitting, obeying, staying inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because God forbid you're not a to- total like screen junkie. Yeah, they want to make sure that no, that you do not like you and I, or probably all three of us, spend a lot of time absorbing the news. I mean, we're kind of inoculated against it. We're doing it for the higher purpose, mm-hmm. but we are fully aware of what they're doing. But anybody who just casually pops in, they have to be just socked in the nose right away. You can't avoid it. You cannot be the guy who who's just oblivious to it all. That is not possible. And and if you are, they'll they'll drag you out of your car and beat you senseless until you put a mask on. Yeah, I mean they're they're even writing stay at home, uh, and and all the whatever the euphemisms for shelter in place and stuff. They're they're mm-hmm. kids writing it in sidewalk chalk around the neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking as you started talking, like, I bet when they're doing the little online kindergarten and stuff, the projects are all about, like, how are you, you know, draw a picture of you and your family in sheltering in place or, you know, let's do an ad campaign of stay home. (laughs) Stay home. What the hell? Um, I have to say, I've, I've for years marveled that concerts still existed and restaurants were still a great way to make money and start your own business and stuff. And I just, I've, I've noticed it. And I just thought this is not consistent with the way they want us to move, particularly someone like Bill Gates, who does not want us to have physical contact, lest babies be born. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and they, those are, I think the industries that are getting hit the hardest. I certainly see like reference to that, you know, small business, small restaurant owners are going, I know one personally is going bankrupt. Yeah. My brother just opened a restaurant like a month ago and it's, Oh my God. It's like a pretty, I mean, he's been planning on doing it for a while. So it was not great, great timing. Luckily he's still doing okay, but it's kind of, uh, I mean, it could be better for sure. 
but uh, he so he can still send stuff to go right or people can't go in can they go in no yeah it's only to go and uh he's trying to line up delivery now but it's a small it's in a small city in, in north carolina so it's a, a town i don't even know if you call it a city so yeah um hmm. it's definitely not uh opened as good as he thought it was, would be but. yeah well if he could just stay afloat there are, a lot of them aren't going to if he can just make it to the end which is like 18 months from now i think yeah. but if he can he'll be in a good spot because the only things i mean i would say most of what's left standing is going to be chains probably which got bailed out by the way yeah but it, and it, it's it's like you said um like you said, Brad, is when we get out of this thing, are people going to be able to make eye contact with each other? <laughs> and like, people are going to want to be at a concert? I mean, I want to. Yeah, you can't even smile anymore if you're wearing yeah. a mask. People can't, you know, they're, it's really creating. I mean, everybody looks like they're trying to rob you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, what do you think, JMO? What do you think? Like, do you think that this is uh, like. A pandemic, or do you think it's exploited? Do you think it was generated? I mean, do you have an opinion about yeah, it? It's a- I, I think that it, it's. I think there's a real infectious disease going around. I mean, if that happens once every hundred years and it's really this bad, then then maybe there is. But you know, I I know that all the data is skewed. All the reports of people dying that either had underlying conditions or they had no connection to COVID whatsoever are being tracked as uh, COVID deaths. And that's sketchy, but then they say testing is, um, testing is key. So if everyone, everyone were to take the test, that could indicate how many people may have already had it and got o- gotten over it, but they don't, you know, that wouldn't be good for the narrative. Um, I do think that there are, I'm of, I came from the conspiracy side, so I'm, a, I'm of the mind that there is something sinister going on, uh, and I don't know if it's, you know, government control or, or you know, the the whole Bill Gates eugenics thing, um, and the fact that he wants to decrease population growth, and uh, he's been connected with other vaccines that have sterilized people as a quote unquote side effect, but. I, d- I mean, I don't like it, really. I, th- I think that it's um, exposed a lot of the control over. I mean, it's exposed a lot of this, the psyop, uh, I think. And, you know, is the psyop going to be impeachment or is it going to be something that really changes your changes your way of life? And I think that they they were able to divide people on uh, stupid things like impeachment or russia gate or whatever all this silly stuff and in order to maybe put a bigger psyop in place that really does a hundred percent division i mean it's amazing what they've got going here i mean it is amazing i mean even even if you you buy all the numbers they're still pretty low I mean, it doesn't matter what the incidences like 500,000 people have is like, I don't care. You could 500,000 people have a cold at any one time. I don't care at all about that. All you care about is this is something really crazy. And it, it and like those kind of diseases do affect like pneumonia, uh, old people and p- 
poor places get way, people in poor places get way, way sicker than when you're really well taken care of. And I think that underneath it in a little, in a, in a bit of a way is that the panic is because you're telling like rich white lady, Karen, whatever, like, this could affect you. And, you know, it's like when I had a child with Down syndrome, my first child was born with Down syndrome. Like there were a few Karens out there. I think one of them was actually named Karen who said, it was like, well, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. So I don't think it would be, you know, whatever. Like I'm not old. I didn't drink, you know, like all the things I didn't drink, but, and I wasn't that old. I really wasn't that old. I wasn't like in a high risk category or anything, but people, feel like Karen, you know, Karen in the world feels like she does everything right mm -hmm. and she should not, you know, this is not a problem she has to deal with. And that's why you've gotten, you know, you get all these people super freaked out because they're, they're kind of, um, you know, live in a bubble. Yeah. It's, I think it's, a, it's like a psychological, uh, weakness that people have. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't sit on a, a high throne either, but, um, the fear of death that people have is amazing. And that's what's coming out is people are just afraid of dying and they think that um, we can pay money and, and the government can save us from something when they've demonstrated many times in the past that they can't. And, and the vast majority of the people who are dying of COVID-19 are dying anyway. They are dying. Yeah. I mean, the vast majority are people in nursing homes who are in nursing homes. They've been, you know, they've been put there. They've been left there, you know, and they're, I don't, I don't object to people going to nursing homes. I'm just saying like, they are like, I, you know, I even myself, it's so funny because like, I, I have this gluten thing. I never had it my whole life. Now I can't eat gluten. And I, and I said to my husband, I said, I think it's because I'm dying. And he was like, what you're dying i said no no i mean i just think i'm dying like i i'm i used to be growing like our kids are growing and then i was having kids and now i'm dying you know like that's just it takes a long time but that is what i'm doing and he was just like you just can't talk like that i was like never mind <laughs> but that's the thing these people are dying and it sucks. I mean, I, I worry and they should be having their ha hand held and they should be revered and honored and hugged and loved and taken care of. But we've got to, you know, you have to, that's, that's really what's happening. Yeah. And, I mean, and, you, and we're being scared of that. You hate to be like, you hate to think I can communicate a disease to my grandparents and kill them. Like that is one, you, you know, you don't, that's something that's going to get most people. I mean, it gets me right. Like, I, I get that aspect of it, but that doesn't mean you shut down the economy. I wasn't. I'm worried that I'll never see my mother again. She lives in New York and I can't go visit. Her. And that's a real. So like I'm, I'm like seriously worried about that. It upsets me terribly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not dismissing that this is real. What I'm saying, what I think I'm saying, what you were saying, which is death is real for everyone. Always like this is real. Death is real. And they are just taking people they know that are dying anyway. And they're, they're just emphasizing this could happen to you and people who are scared of it, just not ready for it. And at the same time, they're bailing out the economy that was do doomed in the first place. And they're. Well, yeah, the death and destruction that they're creating yeah. is worse. Yeah. The, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see in a, a few months what 
what happens to like the suicide rates and the homelessness and people getting addicted to drugs and all this kind of stuff uh, as a res- direct result of their the government uh, response to this and you know then they'll come and try to save the day and open up the economy and start tracking people and give them immunity cards and all this stuff uh, that they've been wanting to do all along anyways. Um, yeah, and my my husband just chimed in. He's like, I just was listening to the radio and heard that there's a nursing home where they're reporting 23 deaths, but only 16 were tested positive for COVID-19. And my it's a but my my point on that is that pneumonia is going to kill people, mm-hmm. and whatever the strain of bug that is running around is the thing that it's going to get you. But yeah, so they're doing it to implement so many of these other agenda items. And this thing about having an, um, uh, an immunity certificate or a vaccine, I mean, I'm hesitant to even talk about it because it's now going to get into the psyche. I talk about Event 201, and probably more people are focused on the pandemic if I had just been talking about the financial elements of this, you, you, you know yeah, what I'm saying? No, like you just focus. You on speak it. something into existence. I, I'm right. I'm of the of the mind that that's possible, but that's why we also have to speak against it uh, because we know the. I know the 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 social engineers are doing as much as they can to bring bringing this stuff in. I mean, we, we were talking about. I know we have to go soon, but we were talking about Bill Barr earlier, and I saw. He put out a quote today or something. He said that he's very concerned about the slippery slope in terms of encroachment on personal liberty. He was talking about being in opposition to the the Bill Gates plan to have people have these digital certificates or recurring vaccinations or whatever. So that's good. At least he's paying lip service to, to personal liberty, I think. Um, What's interesting about that is social media blew up bashing him because he was <laughs> criticizing Bill Gates and calling the measures that are being taken right now draconian. So people, again, begging wow. for this to happen to them. I know. That's the funny thing is that the dispute is like, who you know, they're not yeah, being bad yeah. enough. They're not like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it just, you know, every once in a while it occurs to me. It's like when my son was born with Down syndrome, like for literally a couple of years, I would look over and I'd be like, wow, my baby has Down syndrome. Like, this is weird. You know, like I just look around my house. and I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? Like, this is just weird. You know? Like, what? What? Where, when am I going to wake up? Like, not like it's a nightmare. Like, I'm fine. But. It might be a nightmare. I mean, if people really start suffering financially to the, you know, at, to the levels that it looks like we're headed to, I just really don't know. I mean, everyone is going to be on the dole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely scary. The uncertainty and uh, fear and doubt that's uh, part of the the virus too. That I think even <laughs> everyone's going to get. And if we can, I mean, do you see? I hate to end on such a tr- tragic note, but it, it's, it is, is I guess. Um, do you see anything like good happening or coming out of? I I see a lot of good stuff, and I'll tell you what it is. And I hate it's like seatbelt laws. I hated seatbelt laws. I never wore a seatbelt, and I started to wear the seatbelt after the seatbelt laws. And similarly, like smoking became virtually impossible anywhere, so I quit smoking. And these are laws that I hate. I'm a libertarian. I don't want anything to do with it. But I, I'm not going to 
not do something. I'm not going to deny that something good is coming out of it. Like I wear a seatbelt and I don't smoke anymore. The impact that this has had on my family, I think has been, believe it or not, until we meet financial ruin, which is probably not too far in the future. (laughs) I don't think I have that much time left before I start panicking over that one. But like my husband now works from home, my kids are home and we've had to kind of pitch in to like nobody ever was like helping me with the dishes before but now like there's just so much extra work i kind of have to like force people to do it and my husband's taking charge of homeschooling my son my special needs son so that their relationship is really blossoming and i just feel like there's uh while the kids are totally distanced from their friends and they're plugged in a lot virtually, which they were anyway. We're, we're there for each other. My kids are asking me like, literally my daughter's like, I'm ready for my fourth walk of the day. Like we're all walking the dogs. We're taking turns. Yeah. I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff that I think. Yeah, there's I the like positive. because I'm a mom. You know, I'm a everybody's going to be mom. a lot closer to their dogs. The dogs are going to be in great shape. More attention. The, the dogs are thrilled right now. I think this might eradicate infectious disease, by the way, because it's not going yeah, anywhere. And, it's, and, you know, as long as people still go outside, you, you'd think that we would still, our immune systems would still be fighting other stuff. And, and I know I'm worried about that. I'm actually worried that we're all going to just shrivel up and die at the first, like, yeah. <laughs> the first random hermit that comes out of a cave and sneezes unthinkingly. And then, like, the whole entire, that'll be the real pandemic. Oh my gosh, what if they're actually way more clever than we think? And they actually are setting us up to really I've never get sick. Them stupid. I think, I think the social engineers are pretty smart. No. Um, and they work really hard to, uh, get their agendas pushed through and do it sneakily. And I also think that the lesson I always draw from this stuff, I fight. I mean, I'm never going to stop speaking out or if I have to be active, go March on Washington or whatever. I I started hashtag 4th of July March on Washington, but I'll be surprised if we get the First Amendment back by then. But if we do, I will be there. But I but I also feel like it's it is a test of your true belief in in individualism as a libertarian i feel like that goes hand in hand with individualism and that if you if you can maintain your principles in the face of fear like i i failed terribly i feel like the pope canceled lent so i like gave up my lenten sacrifice and i just i'm just really phoning it in and i feel like i failed that test Hmm? you 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 have to kind of yeah, no, I could have met the challenge and like gone crazy and said rosaries and stuff. I just don't like do that stuff. I'm kind of like, I'll go to mass. I, you know, um, I like, I like the, I like the regimen of it. I'm, I don't think too hard about like how much I believe in a personal God, but I do like I'm practicing Catholic. I, I do it. It works for me. And, but like at the slightest, you know, the slightest challenge, I'm just like, eh, forget it. But I feel that I don't actually, funny enough, I really don't have that when it comes to the Bill of Rights or um, generally like your justice, truth, liberty and justice. But but I can see that the vast majority of people have succumbed to abandon all of their principles for fear. And I, I feel like Trump was like the beginning of people on the right who thought, who claimed they didn't like Obama because of his abuse of the Bill of Rights or fundamental principles or any of that. But I will say to them, like, Trump is 
terrible on all of that stuff also. And they'll say, yeah, but he makes Maxine Waters cry. And I think that's great. Or he calls Pelosi like an old bag or whatever. And, you know, she deserves it. It's like, really? Is this? So I feel like that was the beginning of the end anyway, of like people really sticking to their principles. That was in the face of the temptation to to get back at the people who've been frustrating you so long. But here it's the temptation to succumb to your fear without really having responsibility to figure out truth. But I just feel like this is an opportunity for individual courage, you yeah. know, to speak honestly and to actually, you know, an, a, 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 like a personal duty to get some truth before you get yeah, I mean, up. It definitely jump started my podcast. Uh, I was, it gave me the kick that I needed. Um, I had recorded some episodes, but it, was a week in March and I was like, okay, people are scared out of their mind. They need to hear some good news. Maybe. I don't know. It was. Yeah. A little balance, a little sanity. I mean, I think that's why people, I I think Binkley, don't you think that's why people like to listen to our show every day? I bet that, I mean, I never listen to like the radio every afternoon, but like, I bet we are the bright light in a lot of people's day because we're we're yeah, not just I don't think freaking you gotta out. you gotta laugh at it just there's so many things to oh, laugh yeah. at about it and while we can take it seriously i think it's necessary to to mock it to to laugh at it too now that's not to say that oh yeah i'd say wash your hands hands obsessively definitely <laughs> wash your hands yeah i think good hygiene is is <laughs> i don't care about that but that's Binkley's but, thing uh, I don't care. I, I like lick my dog's face. I don't care at all. I want well, your give dog's me your got germs. a clean face. Though. Give me. <laughs> I don't know. You I, have not. I've never bought dog. that. The, the, the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Clean them out. Yeah. Dogs no, no, are very no. Dirty. My dog is disgusting, <laughs> but they're so pretty, but they just, I don't know, whatever they get to out there, it's, yeah. it reeks. Well, but Binkley, you're right. We do have to laugh at it. And I, back to the, the Trump thing is like, I'm going to watch the debates and they're going to be hilarious. Absolutely. Because it's going to be Trump versus. Oh, yes. And they're going to be just phenomenal TV. But should those people, either of those people, be making rules yeah. about how we live? That's what we got to come in and, uh, and, shut down and you know the the funny thing is the constitution does not empower them to do that all administrative law is unconstitutional anything that starts with an f fcc faa cdc dea well i don't know about the cdc but like all all federal all laws that come out of the executive branch are unconstitutional the legislative branch does the law but they do it i'm saying those guys like you're like i'm like the election shouldn't matter that much because these guys should not have that power i don't even think the supreme court should have the power it has no it's the we have the the largest government in the entire world and uh the ever in the history probably and the largest military and uh people say well we have these checks and balances between the three branches but that's not true in practice and there's of course the the fourth branch of the the bureaucracy that you don't even see uh that puts regulating how many laws are there that people are subject to and probably break every day you know like if they really try to scrutinize the individual it'd be like everyone's a criminal because they make all these fake man-made laws that don't yeah and that's why from the very beginning i was so afraid of of hyper surveillance because i was like look it's these dumb laws are fine if you 
if they don't have perfect enforcement. But if you start having perfect enforcement, that's going to be a real problem. And, you know, I feel like the surveillance state is just locking in and yeah. it'll be very hard to mount a resistance without those. And the public is like doing the, the enforcement stuff. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Orwell said. Yeah, yeah. Doing it to themselves and doing it to other people. Yeah, it's um, it, that's, that's where we're headed. I guess maybe we'll meet up and be on an Am- Amish farm <laughs> or something. I'm telling you, I think the Amish have the right idea. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm beginning to think that. I don't want to get you thrown off whatever platform you're on anyway, so I'm not going to tell you who else I think has got a few good <laughs> points. But I say it on my own podcast if you want to listen to it. Yeah, that's a good, you can... a good time for you guys to plug uh, the propaganda report. Okay, great. Well, you do it this time, Binkley, since I... Well, we have a show on, we do a daily show and we do interviews, we do occasional deep dives and you can find all of it at thepropreport.com or on your favorite podcasting platform with a Propaganda Report podcast feed. And we do extra content for our patrons. (laughs) Patrons. But the flagship, I would say at this point, although the Propaganda Report deep dives are fantastic, is the Daily Show, the Drive Time News Blast. Yes, I can attest to it. It's really good, and it's short and sweet, and it gives you enough uh, of the relevant uh, information to either go into something you find interesting, or I've done that, you know, the Bernays thing, the... Yeah, you can pull on threads. But mostly I would say that for me, my number one goal is to keep it upbeat and have a few yeah. laughs along the way. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good show. I suggest my listeners check it out. I did on my first episode. Actually, I said, everybody check it out. And I, I want to get these guys on. And we did it. Thanks for having us. Wow. Thank you. I'm highly complimented. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I love that. Uh, be, I'm very happy to help. Um in some of your initial episodes, get your podcast awesome. off the ground. Will, it's been a yeah. real pleasure to talk to you. I really like the way you think. And I, you're very interesting. Not everybody can handle the, you know, I just like go right down those rabbit holes right away. And it, if you're not like ready for it, it's, it sounds a little crazy, but it's not. And I don't mind if people disagree, but I do find it important to be able to have an intelligent conversation that doesn't, you know, just dismiss things. And so I really appreciate your well, you're bringing and uh i will continue to engage i think i'm looking forward to the next next get together you guys have on the virtual world actually i was going to leave you guys with a quote from frank zappa put on instagram the other day i don't know if you've seen this but it says the illusion of freedom will continue as long as it's profitable to continue the illusion at the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain they will just take down the scenery They'll pull back the curtains and they'll move the tables and chairs out of the way. And you'll be able to see the brick wall at the back of the theater. I always wondered what that whole quote was. I remember the brick wall at the back of the theater. And I was like, what the hell was he talking about? That's a great one. Sorry. I know you were going to end, no, but that was, that was fantastic. Uh, I want to leave that with the listeners and with you guys. Um, and I'm thinking maybe the illusion is, is not profitable anymore. <laughs> but, we're getting so. there. I really appreciate it, guys. Um, I'll let you know when the show is up. I'll send it to you. Thanks a lot. All right. right, Thanks a million, JMO. And that's a wrap, good people. That was the Liberty Section, Episode 3. Hope you enjoyed. If you made it this far, then you probably thought about this in a different way. 
And I would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, negative, positive energy. Send it my way at JMO's Philosophy on Twitter. And until next time.